In this episode of Desert Island Torah, we have the support of speaking to Rob Elie Fisher. Rob Elie is an independent writer and translator and writes about religion and politics in Israel, the interplay between legal and non-legal elements of the Talmud, Jewish religious culture and Central European Jewish history. He is the translator of By Faith Alone, the story of Rabbi Yehuda Amital and the editor of Rabbi Eliezer Malamid's Penili Halakha series in English. Previously, he was a JLIC rabbi and campus educator at the University of Maryland. He holds BA and MS degrees from Yeshiva University and has rabbinical ordination from Israel's chief rabbinate. Thank you so much, Rob Eli, for joining us today. It's a real zechut to have you with us. Pleasure to be here. It's Desert Island Torah, three pieces of Torah that you take to a desert island. What do they mean to you? Why are they so important to you? Really looking forward to learning and finding out your three pieces. So if we jump right in, should we go with your first piece? Right. So we discussed that because tomorrow night is Lagba Omer, we weren't going to talk about Desert Island Torah. We were going to talk about Cave Torah because the legend of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is the story of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is that he uh, he fled the Romans and hid for 13 years in the cave, in a cave and studied Torah the whole time. So in that spirit, we're thinking instead of being stuck on a, a desert island for 13 years, um, let's be in let's be in in a cave um, for a certain amount of time and we would need to know what what to bring with us into that cave assuming there's no wi-fi in the cave assuming there's no electrical outlet in the cave what you bring in is what you've got so this gave me i've been thinking about this since we first talked about this a few weeks ago and i can't I can't fit it all into a suitcase. It's a problem. And I'll explain why. It has to do with the way that I learn. First of all, right off the bat, I've got ADHD. So having only like a certain amount, like a finite amount, like to, to, to review the same thing over and over again, um, it's got to be, it's got to be really, it's got to be something that I can that I could review over and over again. And most things are not gonna are not gonna cut the are not gonna are gonna are not gonna make the cut. I just I'm interested in too wide a variety of things. I I, I floating all over the place. Um, another you know part of that is that the way that I learn, I learn in a very associative way. So if I'm studying something in one text, I want to see how that text is interpreted. I want to see how that text goes and is uh, and is addressed in later in later commentaries uh, in earlier commentaries. I want to look up the proof texts. I want to look up parallel texts, and it's just a, you know I'll end up with a half a dozen or more books open on the table. You know, even if I'm theoretically only learning one book. Um, so those are those are some of the challenges. It's got to be enough that it's me interested for however many years I'm stuck in the cave or on the desert island and it's also got to be something that will satisfy right if it, you know if I see something and I want to see a, a parallel I, I have to be able to to satisfy to satisfy that itch so it's a problem so where do we go from here if I had to boil it down really boil it down 
I suppose, and I, I, by the way, I don't know at all if this is the kinds of answers that you're looking for. I, I don't know if you're looking, if you're asking for, you know, a small, you know, just like a one or two pager that'll, you know, to return to for constant inspiration. I, I you know, if I have that, if I remember that, I don't have to, you know, I bring it with me wherever I am. So I, I didn't really address, you know, I, I was thinking about like, what am I going to learn while I'm there? So the, the three things, and you know, it's probably kind of cliche, but it's a good set of Mikroot Gedolo Nach, um, a good set of Talmud Bavli, and a good set. I, I can't decide whether it would be the a good set of Torbet Yosef or a good set of Shulchan Aruch. Uh, I think I would probably be more likely to say a good set of Torbet Yosef because the Torbet Yosef is more, um, you know, it, it gets into the, the, it gives more background. It gives more, I guess it's, it's a more satisfying type of learning and that it gives you a, the background of, the, they're both halachic, but, you know, it gives you more of the background where the halacha is derived from rather than you know a point by point uh discussion of what the halacha is with you know with the commentaries on you know uh, dealing with the minutiae of that so i'd rather go with uh, the tour and beit yosef a good set of that um is that what you had in mind this uh, this podcast is about creating a personalized experience for everyone so whatever anyone wants to bring they want to bring it's personalized to them so it's great Okay. Um, I would also want to bring, if it's possible, um, I would want to bring a lot of pens and paper. Because again, assuming there's no, you know, if I if I have, even if I can bring a laptop, it wouldn't last more than a few hours. And there's no place to recharge in the cave or on the island. Um, I would want to bring pen and paper because, you know, I would want to I would want to go through, I would want to write down, I would want to write things down. I would want to write down the ideas that I have while I'm studying this. I would want to write down, um, you know, insights that I have. I wouldn't want to lose them. I probably don't do that enough as it is. Um, you know, I try, you know, learning gets the creative juices going. So I want to be able to record that somehow. So the, um, you know, I picked those three things because I, I think, first of all, they cover, with the exception maybe of the Torbet Yosef, which is more halachic, um, you know, they, they kind of cover everything. Everything is in Tanakh. Um, and certainly once you include the commentaries, everything is in the Tanakh with commentaries. Um, it covers every single aspect of who we are, what we do as Jews. And the same thing with the Bavli. The Bavli, the Talmud Bavli, the Babylonian Talmud, is, you know, is the, is the, you know, if we talk about Jews being the people of the book, that's probably more likely the book than the Bible. It's the Bible we share uh, with other groups they, who also hold it sacred. 
but the the Bavli is what is what really shaped rabbinic Judaism more than any other text, and it's endless. And I mean, you somebody can study the Bavli for year after year, can learn through it multiple times, and still and it'll still be fresh. It'll still be new. So I, I think that's it's got to be something. It's got to be something with that quality. So that's where I get to where I get to. Very interesting. Um, so should we go through them? Tanakh, the Bible, the book of books, um, you know, it's number one formative, it's sacred, and it's also, it's it's the most, it's a commented on text. So if you have a, a an edition that's got, you, know, you can have it in one book, an entire Tanakh, Torah Nevi'im and Ketuvim, and this this might be cheating because it's it's one book. It could all be in one book, but it's you know it's it's twenty four books plus commentaries. So it's uh there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of material. So um again, it'll keep me busy for a while. But like I don't know, like you you talk about just we we read through the entire Fumash, which is the first five books, the Pentateuch. Uh, we read through that on an annual basis, and every year there are new insights, and every year we hear new we read and we hear new debrate Torah. And uh, the the opportunity, the ability to to create new commentary, um, create new to come up with new insights is is never ending. Um, now, of course, a lot of times you might you hear people that are connecting what is what's in the parsha with current events. So I would assume that in the on the island or or in the cave, there there aren't going to be very many current events. Right, because it's a state of complete disconnect. Um, but nevertheless, right, you're you're there with with Rashi and with Ramban and with Ibn Ezra and with Radak, and there, there's enough there to last a lifetime. Just that, um, and and they're all trying to understand the Torah itself, right? The Torah, the the, the Torah, and then beyond the Torah, the works the works of the prophets, the works of the you know the the other holy writings, Torah of um, you know, these are these are our core texts. Uh, same thing with the Gemara. The Gemara is an amazing mishmash. Of, uh, right, the word Bavli, Rabbeinu Tam, one of the early commentaries, one of the early commentators from the 1100, right, it says that it's called Bavli because it's called Balubo. Everything is mixed up in it. It's this glorious mashup of scripture and Mishnah and um, and halacha and agada, um, medicine and uh, superstition and legends and myths and it's it's glorious. No, no, uh, it's again, it's enough to last more than one lifetime studying the Talmud with its commentaries. And again, even doesn't have to be all the commentaries, Rashi and Tosfot and some of the other commentaries in the back. That, that, that'll be enough. I would imagine I'm not gonna have much else to do on the island. You know, I'm obviously gonna have to forage or, or something like that. Um, I gotta eat, gotta sleep. But, uh, but other than that, there's gonna be plenty of time to sit and learn. Um, it's like being in Kola. The, and then the third, and then the third one, you know, the third one is the hardest one. I thought maybe of like um, 
bringing a reference book to start try to contextualize that, like to bring a set of encyclopedia, like the Encyclopedia Judaica or the Jewish Encyclopedia or something like that. I thought maybe like, oh, what if I can get like a hard drive? Can I get a hard drive on this island? Um, that's really tempting because I use I use online databases of of Torah, whether it's Safari or Al Torah or Hebrew books or Otsar Chochma. Um, they're just phenomenal resources, and they're all like they're not on the shelf next to me. They're they're on the computer. Um, and so the ability to access that stuff, I mean, that would be great. I use that in my own learning all the time. But, uh, you know, I I came to the conclusion that, you know, if I have access to that stuff, I'm not really isolated. And the goal here is isolation. So I'm going to have to do without anything that will connect me to, like, the larger repositories. Um, and so then the last uh, the last thing was... Again, this was the hardest. The third one was the hardest one. The first two were kind of no-brainers. The third one, um, you know, I am going to want to know what to do. I am going to want to study how the uh, how the halacha was sort of distilled into practice. And I think that the um, the you know that sort of the the most say the most canonic such work would probably be. The, the the tour with the commentary of Beit Yosef. I thought about Rambam, Mishneh Torah, especially with the commentaries. There's a lot there. It's probably more, you know, there's a lot more. It's, it's, it's organization is more, it's more complete. It's more thorough. It's organization is more, um, uh, is more planned out. Um, I thought maybe instead of uh, Torbeit Yosef, something more contemporary, like a set of Revelio Malamed's Halacha, which covers most of today's, you know, today's halachic life. But I also really thought that, like, okay, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know, the kinds of questions that come up aren't necessarily the kinds of questions, you know, that, that come up in a cave or on a desert island are not the kind of questions that I, uh, you know, that I would need that I would need something too contemporary for. Um, so I decided on sort of like that safe middle option of Dorbeit Yosef, because it covers all the essentials. Everything that we have today is in some way predicated on that. Um, it's a distillation of what came before it. So su it summarizes very well what came before it. Um, and it also it also forms the basis for everything that that came after it. So those were, that was my thought process. Very, very interesting. Um, if we go to Tanakh, is there like a specific Kiddush or piece that like really stands out to you? Um, I mean, I think as as in terms of the narrative structure, you know, I think Sefer Breshit is probably is probably my favorite just because it's there's you know the the Torah is written the style in which the Torah is written is very sparse. It's um, there was a, a literary critic about you know, 80 years ago, Erich Auerbach, who said who said that the Torah is fraught with background. Right, that you think about you know what makes good literature today. Right, well you know what are the kinds of developments that create good literature, and then you apply that to the Akeda. The Akeda leaves so much room for filling in the gaps. 
It doesn't tell you at all what Abraham is thinking, what Yitzchak is thinking, what Sarah is thinking. Right? It doesn't even tell you really what God's thinking. It just has this very sparse narrative. Right? And all of a sudden, you know, God says something, Abraham does what he does, and then it's three days later. There's there's so much um there's so much room for interpretation and room for thinking, dramatizing all of the stories because they're so, you know, the the, the, the details are so sparse um, that it's almost like, it's like a canvas in which interpreters throughout time have been able to, um, you know, to conjure their own portrait. Um, so I think that, you know, the stories of Bereshit are the best example of that, even though there are other stories that also have great, you know, and, and even the stories in the Talmud have great uh, are, can be great examples of that. From that perspective, I think the uh, the you know the stories of Breshi, the the book of Breshi is probably the most uh, probably the 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 most given over to the most interpretable. Um, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, Breshi, I think, is my favorite also, um, and I think story of creation um yeah just does it for me yeah yeah it's uh you can again you can spend a lifetime on just pray sheep it's uh that's always something new yeah and in tom above is there anything that stands out to you a story that really speaks to you so i mean i it really depends on the day and it really depends on the mood right now you know, we're, we're, it's the day before uh, Lagba Omer, so I've been thinking a lot about that story that I mentioned, the story of the cave, and right? what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's cave, you know, you know, what, like, what, what that story means, and I have, I have certain shame on that, on that story, um, you know, one that I just podcasted about the other day, so it's fresh in my mind, is that the Bavli, you know, I one of the things that I think the Bavli is doing is, you know, it, it's, the Bavli creates certain depth of character, but not necessarily in one place, right? That, and this is one of the reasons that it's important for me to have a lot of books, because, you know, Devrei Torah, Aniyim b'makom echad v'ashirim b'makom acher, that in order to see the full depth of things, um, you know, it's, it, the, I'm scattered in, in different places and only by looking at them uh, together do you get the full picture. So that story about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the cave begins with a conversation between Rabbi Yehuda and, uh, and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rabbi Yehuda Bar Yochai and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Rabbi Yossi is a silent participant in that, uh, in that debate. And Rabbi Yehuda is saying, wow, Rome is great. Rome is wonderful. And they did all these good things, and he lists three good things that Rome did. And Rabbi Shimon says, "No, that's not what's going. You know, there you have to look at their intention, right? And their intentions are the wrong intentions. They're only doing these things not for you, but for themselves." And you know, I I read that, and you know, this is my chiddush, and it I read that discussion in light of discussions elsewhere in the Talmud about what's called a davar she'enomitzkavein, something, doing something without intention, right? If you do, if you if you perform a transgression without having intended to do so, davar she'enomitzkavein, according to Rabbi Yehuda, it's a problem, you're, you know, you're, you're liable. But 
according to Rabbi Shalom Bar Yochai, you're not. A davar she'inu mitzavein is is mutar. It's 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 even you know it's you haven't done anything wrong. And you know I relate these two because their debate about Rome is essentially is a debate about what do you what are we looking at? Are we looking at the action? Are we looking at what the person did? Or in this case, what the Roman Empire did? Or are we looking at intention? Why the Roman Empire did this? And that correlates almost perfectly with what's going on in, in, an, in another debate between the same two people, even though those are halachic contexts. And this sort of, you know, it, it broadens the, it broadens the, the character, meaning that Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, it's not, you know, they, like they, they are thinking differently about the relationship between action and intention. Um, and then that difference cuts across, you know, from political attitudes, what are we supposed to think about Rome, um, to halachic, to halachic positions, right? If I did something without having intended to do it, is it, uh, you know, have I, have I transgressed? Um, you know, so that's, uh, you know, that freshened my mind. Uh, on a different day, it'll be, it'll be, it would be something else. For sure. So what would, why did you choose these three as opposed to maybe modern contemporary Jewish philosophy? What, what distinguishes the, these three? Um, so first of all, in terms of Machshava, I think there's plenty of Machshava in Tanakh. I think that the, and it's certainly in the is on Tanakh. And there's plenty of Machshava in the Gemara, um, and certainly on the on the commentaries in the Gemara. Um, I'm not an avid consumer of books of Machshava. Um, I you know I'll be I'll, I'll be totally honest. I, I don't read a lot of I don't read a lot of Machshava books. What I I I I prefer eclecticism. Um, I I do sometimes read Machshava books, but I I think that there would never be, you know, I, I might read, you know, one day something from, you know, Casidus, and then another day something from, you know, Rabbi Sachs, and then another day something from Rav Lichtenstein. And I, 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 could, I could end up all over the Rav Dessler or, um, and I, um, my tastes are, are too eclectic. And I think that if I have one book and one book only, um, that book would drive me crazy and can't afford, I need to keep my sanity on the island or in the cave. Um, and one book, no matter how good it is, um, I would be, it would be too, uh, it would be too limiting. Okay. And that's why all the books that I, all the books that I chose are books that are going to contain a multiplicity of uh, voices and opinions, right? In the case of Tanakh, a multiplicity of commentaries, and in the Gemara and in the Shulchan Aruch or the the Torah and Beit Yosef, you have, you know, there's there's a built-in multiplicity. There's, you know, there are differences of opinion on every page um, concerning all kinds of things, concerning whether it's Machshava or Halacha or, you know, or anything in between. Um, you know, so I think that, uh, you know, that that would that would be uh, that would be satisfying. That could be satisfying. Something else, um, any sort of monograph would um, would be uh, it would be too limiting. Yeah, that's really unique. I think 
what is so great about these choices is that, is there is so much to really look at it we as you said every year we read the parasha and we always find new commentaries um and i think even safari are published year on year about things that are thousands of years old yet it's a unique innovative approach which is allowing us to learn and i think that's what makes your choices so unique well thank you yeah and i would hope that when i'm finally rescued from the cave or when i'm finally rescued from the island I'll have with me in addition to whatever that was left there with me i'll have you know um plenty of stuff that i've written on my own um my own kiddushim, my own my own contributions to the new to the new commentaries uh written on you know if i could bring paper then paper you know otherwise on, on tree bark you know maybe by then i'll have learned how to make ink from local insects and uh you know have good bark on which I can write and I'll have, you know, I'll have stacks upon stacks of, um, you know, Torah on tree bark so that, uh, that at least that can be taken back to civilization. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Robelli, for joining us today. It was a really interesting um, approach to our question that you gave. Thank you. Pleasure. And have a happy log Omer. You too. Thank you for listening to Desert Island Torah. Feel free to share our podcast with family and friends so that we can reach out to Amisrael. And if you enjoyed that episode, please feel free to download and subscribe. And if you want to discuss your own Desert Island Torah, get in touch at desertislandtorah at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.